All right. Uh, welcome to another exciting episode of the Vagabond Gamecast. Hello. Uh, I don't think we ever use our name, so <laughs> if you're listening for like the 20th time, welcome to the video game podcast. Welcome, welcome. Uh, how's it going? Uh, if you're addressing myself, I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You you talk as though there's someone else on the line here today. That's because there might be for the first time ever. Da, da, da. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Thomas. Hey! And uh, in the background, it sounds like, uh, welcome, Matt's child. I was going to say, there's actually four people here. Yeah, so uh, I got stuck with a baby tonight, which was unexpected. Um, Wife is out, was intending to bring her uh, to kind of a little event she was having, but um, Luca has a cold, so since there's other babies at this event... Okay, come here, come here. um, Since there's other babies at this event, uh, yeah, um, she did not go along. And so yeah. uh, I do apologize. We'll do the best we can to filter that out, but there might be some uh, interference. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the nature of this game cast because uh, obviously Matt and I both have kids and that's kind of a recurring thing. So, uh, and I guess Thomas is a, a parent here. So uh, hopefully uh, hopefully everyone can kind of understand and, and get past that. We'll, we'll mute what we can. But uh, so just a little bit of background stuff uh, for anyone who's wondering, uh, who are you? Um, uh, my name's Thomas Guinan. I actually, I've been friends with Matt since we were kids. Um, I'm, I guess I'm here to talk about the Eskimo Bob Kickstarter. Eskimo Bob Kickstarter. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I apologize. Maybe I should be leading the conversation since, you know, it's, you're my acquaintance. I'm battling yeah. a kid here and, and so forth. Yeah, sorry. Um, Thomas, uh, yeah, Eskimo Bob, uh, uh, what can you tell us about Eskimo Bob? I'll jump in and, and throw that question there. All right, sure. Um, Eskimo Bob, it was a, uh, a Flash cartoon series that my brother Alan and I started back in 2001. Um, it was pretty popular on Newgrounds back then. Yeah, this would have been well before YouTube, right? Oh, yeah, way before YouTube. Um, It's back when it was all Newgrounds and badly animated Flash. That's what we had. Dial-up internet, you know, all that fun stuff. And, uh, yeah, so uh, it was was pretty popular. There was a, you know, I think it was up in the hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of views with some of the episodes on Newgrounds. Um, We ended up making about 57 episodes. And uh, had a pretty good run. Nice. So, so yeah. uh, if I can interject again, sorry. So we're asking about Eskimo Bob, obviously, because that's what your Kickstarter is. Uh, used to be a cartoon. Now you've gone and developed it into an NES game. Yes, that, exactly. Uh, yeah. Where we're going. So the cartoon itself, um, how long did you run that? Um, I mean, it went for quite a while. I think the last episode, I think, came out in 2013. Um. Most of them, I think. Wow. So yeah, but that I think. Yeah, so it it went on for a while. Most the bulk of the episodes were between two thousand one, two thousand nine. Okay. Okay, and it it was mostly you, or were you and your brother a group? Uh, It was me and my brother both worked on it. I did most of the uh, the animation and the grunt work. He did the uh, did some script writing, some voice recording, and that sort of thing. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, what made you decide to start turning that into a video game then? Uh, well, it almost happened by accident. Um, I basically I've been taking uh, computer science at Dalhousie, so I'm finishing that up. I had one course this semester, um, so I just happened to have some free time, and I thought, hey, I'll just look into NES Homebrew. Seemed like a fun idea. I had just bought. Um, a uh, retro USB AVS. So, and I bought a few homebrew titles along with that, and I thought, hmm, this is pretty fun. I got me interested in looking into doing that myself. So I do some Googling. I find out that there's some C libraries available for the NES, and I thought, oh, well, that's that's interesting. Um, found some, some tutorials, that sort of thing, and uh, just started playing around with it, and... Uh, the Eskimo Bob connection sort of came in because it was, as it's sort of my playing around developed into an actual game, I thought, well, I already have characters, I already have music, I just have right. to sort of use them. So, 
Yeah, it seems like a, I, I mean, it definitely seems like it makes sense to just connect the dots like that if, if you've already got a property that you've worked with in the past. Yeah. So, so the way you described it sounds like it almost came about by accident. I'm just wondering if like you'd kind of thought a long time ago of maybe making a game of, uh, of the Eskimo Bob IP or if that's always been in your mind. Well, it's, it's actually kind of funny because I remember way back, you know, 2001, 2002, we used to joke about it. We'd say like, I mean, we, I had made a few little flash games for the website, but we used to joke and say, if we make it a real Eskimo Bob game, it should be for the NES. We'll release it on cartridge form and nobody will be expecting, you know, post 2000 for there to be an Eskimo Bob NES game. That would be hilarious. It was more like, it was almost like we said it as a joke. The idea was, it always just seemed like it would be a fun idea. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if you're going to Dalhousie right now, do you have any sort of previous experience, or is this all like completely new grounds for you? Then, like, um, well, I'm actually taking, um, um, just finishing up. Actually, I just finished. I'm gonna be graduating in like a couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, I was basically um, taking my uh, computer science degree. I was um, getting a certificate in graphics, gaming, and media. So I did a lot of courses in like game design, um, used Unity and stuff like that. So modern game design. So I had some a bit of knowledge of game design just from that perspective on things. Okay. And I guess the idea of taking it, of doing it with the NES, it was more just, it was for fun, and it turned into something. I thought, wow, this is actually fun. This is actually a game that I would play, and I rolled with it. Nice. Cool. Uh, I guess that that segs into the next question pretty well. Um, curious, like I mean, you said you work with Unity. Uh, prob- it sounds like maybe you've dabbled a bit at least in uh, game development kind of stuff, if not a full fledged project. Um, kind of wondering, like working on the NES, what kind of I guess unexpected quirks did you meet, or like what what was what was it about working on the NES that made the experience unique? Uh, probably the weirdest thing is just the complete lack of space and memory just it's i'm working with such a small file it's absolutely ridiculous like and i didn't use any (laughs) weird mappers or anything like that so the entire nes file when all said and done is 40 kilobytes and that's just ridiculous (laughs) it's just not gonna happen now (laughs) it's like a thumbnail we actually just last week were talking about that a little bit uh, how like the the average NES game was smaller in file size than the average JPEG of today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just it's really funny just how small you have to make it. It was funny because as I'm first making the game, and it was sort of in tech demo mode, I wasn't really concerned about it at all. And I'm making so I'm making a game. I have about maybe four levels done and I'm thinking this is pretty fun I feel like I can do whatever I want and then I just hit a wall I'm like okay so I've got four levels and that's it <laughs> so I was, then I had to start thinking about like okay what I'm gonna do I have to start re I had to use I mean I'm programming mostly with C there's a little bit of assembly in there but not that much um, things even things like variables I had to make everything a global variable um, is that just a like that's just i mean because that's the way the library works or uh pretty much i mean that's what it said in the tutorials and whatever about the library that i read was to use global various variables for everything um so i did but then it's then there's a limit because there's only so many that i could fit in there before i start running out of space and memory banks here and there um, i had to sort of create a compression algorithm to compress the level data because is that where most of the space is being eaten up is level data uh not really i if i had not figured out my compression probably but i mean if we've got 40 kilobytes that was divided into about 32 kilobytes of program and eight of uh yeah the prg rom and eight kilobytes of the uh of the chr rom for the graphics so eight kilobytes of graphics 32 kilobytes that are the actual program i'd say of that probably maybe 20 or so kilobytes is the game engine 
maybe even more than that. So if I was to round that up to like 24 maybe for the game engine and the title screen and the ending and all the non-regular stuff. So that probably gave me about 8 kilobytes to fit the levels in the game. And how many levels did you come out with in the end? There's 64, so I'm pretty 64. happy with myself. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I... So that compression algorithm saved you a little bit there. Yeah, it did. So each level, I mean, the levels aren't huge levels. They're basically... Um, each level's probably about two screens, like if you look at just what's on the screen in the game, worth of data, and that compressed down to about 90... I think it was 96 bytes per level. I mean, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but somewhere around there. Cool, cool. Nice. Uh, like, are you are you practically done at this point, or? Yeah, it's the game's pretty much done. If I was to put it on a cartridge and send it out, I would be happy with it. I've done a lot of testing, um, tested with a few friends, um, my girlfriend, my kid. Um, so, I feel pretty happy as far as that goes. There's uh, okay. right now. There's 64 levels in the game. Um, there's 15 different types of enemies. Four boss battles. It's sort of a uh, it's a puzzle platformer, so right. the levels are they're not incredibly huge and more collection based. So you have to collect a certain number of fish per level to proceed to the next one, except for the boss battles where it's kill the boss. And so, uh, what kind of variety is there in those levels? Like, is it all kind of like the similar Arctic environments, or is is it like I don't know, like a Mega Man game, for example, where it just can be different from level to level, or? Um, there's, it's all fairly similar, but I tried to have at least some variation in the environments. Uh, there's a lot of palette swapping because it's the NES. That's a very easy way to make things look varied on the NES. Um, but I've got, I have different types of terrain. Like there's a, there's sort of just regular stone ground. Right. There is, um, snow, which is more of like the, uh, I don't know if, the best I can compare it to is like you know how in Mario Two they sort of had those grass hills and they were sort of yeah like yeah semi solid so you could walk in front of them but jump on top of them. Um, there's trees, there's ice. The ice is slippery. Um, there's snow blocks that you can break, and that's sort of where some of the puzzle aspect comes into things. And uh, just some of the various characters of the game, like there's uh, there's a walrus in the game. You can poke him with a stick and move him around and jump on him and use him as a platform. There's a fish in the spaceship with a claw that sort of scoops down, picks you up, and you can use him as transportation. So nice. there's some variation. There's a limit to how much I was able to put in each level, too, before the game started slowing down, getting sprite flickery and that sort of thing. Right. Good old NES but that's what's fun, right? Is dealing with that. I, I think, <laughs> and that's what I mean. You put it on the NES because you want to. You want to recreate some of that, right? Yeah, exactly. So then, and it, it, it's funny because then there'd be some levels. It would be like, okay, something's causing sprite flicker in this level, and would I want to actually go through the engine and try to find out what was causing it, or do I just think, oh, I have one too many, one too many enemies in this level, so I'll just erase one and it fixes everything. So kind of lean more towards that because messing with the engine too much it seemed to just bog things down more so <laughs> a little bit brittle when working with the NES oh for sure because there's only so much you can do but I'm pretty it, it does feel pretty solid though good good cool. so okay well I'm I'd be happy to yeah at some point anyway give the game a try yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing that I guess I'm curious about is uh, what's like What's your hardware situation on this? Like, are you testing this mostly on your PC, or uh, are you doing this on an actual NES as well from time to time? Like, are you testing, I guess, on an LCD monitor with square pixels, or do you have something that has a CRT? Or uh, I've been testing on both, actually. Usually it's been uh, testing with an emulator just because it's quick, but I do have a... Uh, a flash cart that I've been flashing the ROM to that I can test on. I've been testing it on both my uh, the AVS, the retro USB AVS clone that I have, and on actual NES hardware, which usually I just have it hooked up to my regular LCD. But I have, I have, I actually did test it out. My friend has one of those really old CRTs with a dial on the side that's like 13 inches. <laughs> 
nice. played through on that for a while. So it's been it's been tested on a pretty good variety of screens and hardware. So. Nice. Is your friend my parents? <laughs> no, it's actually failing. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a point of contention for Matt and I. A lot of the times, that like a lot of those old games uh, are designed to be played on that type of TV. And... I'm the purist, and <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had to make sure it would look good if it was played there. <laughs> pretty important. Pretty important. I guess the question that comes up for me, um, like, in, what's involved with producing NES cards? Like, I mean, you can you mentioned like the flash card you're using to test with. Ultimately, what you release is that going to look like that or are you going to basically have kind of hard flash chips like what how do you do that um okay there's a um, uh, guy i was talking to it's actually with uh infinite nes lives is the name of the website but they can make, you say that again uh infinite nes lives okay yeah they've actually got uh various flash based um cartridges that you can I can get a bulk order from them, and I'm actually using one of their cartridges now. I've got the, uh, I think it's called a Cazo. It, um, it lets me write to the cartridge, and uh, but if I do a bulk order, if I was to send them a ROM, they can already have them pre-flashed for me. So I'll have a whole bunch of pre-flashed boards that I just have to screw together and assemble. Nice. So, yeah. So, so that'll so be. Uh... <laughs> So I guess in that sense, if you're going to be screwing stuff together, you're almost hoping that your Kickstarter doesn't get too carried away. <laughs> well, I am already on the hook for about 200 of them, so yeah. you're close to it. That's just you know off the top of my head. But there's a few, you know there's a few people not on Kickstarter as well that have been requesting them. So I can picture like uh, like what the, the very first apples, the guys in the garage like screwing on like 70 chips per computer to sell to people. Oh yeah. Well, luckily, I don't have to do any soldering. That would be <laughs> that would be worse. At least, at least this is just five screws per cartridge and a label. Yeah, so could be worse. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I guess in that lines, like you obviously didn't get a hold of an actual like NES debug like developer's toolkit or anything, right? Like you're no, no, not, nothing, nothing like that. No, it's all pure homebrew here were you working on this before you before you uh thought to release it like i mean i myself have thought many times to kind of work on these little nintendo projects and i've i've had something running in an emulator but not really brought it past that so i'm just curious if this was something you wanted to do like when you started the project or if it just grew into uh, this uh, it it pretty much grew into it and it grew pretty quickly but it was originally just sort of um just sort of hacking around playing with it and I thought it just sort of grew into something I thought this actually feels like it could be a pretty decent little game so as it sort of grew into that I uh I just sort of let it grow (laughs) awesome awesome well what I was actually going to ask I was I mean cliche question maybe but I am very curious I mean just what was what was the most enjoyable part for you working on an NES game and also I mean I guess the second half of that (laughs) sorry second half of that uh, what I guess were the pain points like what were you stuck on or what took way longer than you'd expect Um, I mean just the whole idea of I'm making an NES game and I'm putting it on a cartridge and testing it on real hardware just every single time I did that was just so much fun for me just I don't know just the idea of being the fact that I'm able to do that if I could have seen myself as a kid that I would be able to do that even just for fun it was that was just fun Um, it it was hard for me to pick out what my favorite part was if it was uh, because I'm not sure I really did it in a super professional way as far as it comes to actual game design level design It, it sort of grew organically but um it was just a very fun process altogether. Cool. So just making it come to life, I guess, was yeah. overall that experience. Yeah. Okay. So was there any particular part of it though? Like, do you prefer to do the programming versus like the the animation, for example? Or um, yeah, I think the programming is fun. I really enjoy um, doing, say, like the uh, the enemy behavior, that sort of thing, because it's it's always just been fun for me. The idea that I can 
that I can take, like, what looks like a character moving on the screen is basically just a few equations. Right. And it's just, that's always just been fun. Just that the idea behind that is fun and knowing that if I just change a few numbers here and there, it can completely change how a character moves. So, so what kind of AI do you have for that then? Like, is it anything that actually has intelligence to it or is it hard coded or, cause I, I know a lot of games in the past would like the, the character movement would be hard coded. It never deviated from that at all. Yeah, there is, there is a little bit with some of the characters, nothing extremely, extremely, you know, complex, but I mean, there's some characters that are just sort of the typical NES characters, you know, they'll walk back and forth on a platform and they hit the edge, they'll go back or, you know, jumping at certain intervals. And then I tried to make some characters that are a little more interesting though, that react to the player. So it's sort of if you're standing on the same platform, like say there's a Viking in the game. If you st- he walks fairly slowly, he seems fairly non-threatening. But if you stand on the same platform as him, suddenly his movement speeds up twice as fast, so he becomes right. more threatening. Or there's uh, I've got spiders that go up and down trees, and if you approach the tree, the spider will come. It'll change directions and it'll come right down the tree twice as fast at you. Um, right. So. Do have a few that react to the player. There's a narwhal. The narwhal is evil. It's basically um, the close. It, it's like the the big fish that tries to eat you in Mario Three. Right. So, yeah, that's probably the. You know, I mean, it's fairly simple stuff. That's most complex I have because it's where it actually has aggression towards the player instead of just right. moving passively. Very cool. I have to make the obnoxious comment. Uh, it's the first time in forever I've heard someone say Mario instead of Mario. I'm pretty sure it's a Canadian thing. <laughs> yeah, no that's, that's a Nova Scotia thing. Yeah, it, for it sure. Might be. Cause it, and in Canada, people yeah. say Mazda. Yeah, here yeah. they say Mazda. That's the other. So there's that ah-ah thing. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to comment when you when you first got on the line that uh, your Nova Scotia accent is uh, particularly less than what I remember it being. My, mine? No, Thomas. Oh, well, the last time that I was living in Nova Scotia, I was living in Pictou County, so I'm, I'm oh, okay. I still in my memory have a much stronger accent in my head. <laughs> I, guess, I was I don't born know. I guess, in Pictou County. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here forever, so I'm not, I don't even pay attention to it. Do you have any idea what the first game was that you ever played? Probably the very first. Um, my parents got us this really crappy old Pong console before I actually had an NES. So that would be the first game I played. Um, nice. First NES game was Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt. Not nice. sure which of those two, but it was one of them. Nice. So, so you obviously played uh, the, the console stuff. Did you ever get into like arcade stuff at all, or I didn't really get too much into arcade stuff. Um, I do remember when there was the arcade at the mall, playing Street Fighter Two with some friends a few times. But yeah. I was. It was way more about the the home home consoles than the arcade back in the day. Right. So it was is it safe to say NES is your favorite one then if uh, if you're working on a project for that? Oh yeah, definitely. It's just I don't know. There's something about it was my first real console, so it just has that sort of special place the NES and the Game Boy. I always liked the Game Boy. Just the I remember even when I got the Super Game Boy for the Super Nintendo, I played more Game Boy games on my Super Nintendo than actual Super Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. But just nice. something about the the 8-bit Nintendo systems, both of them. I just love them both. Nice. I totally hear you on the Game Boy. Uh, to me, NES is like, it's the first system you can go back to. And I mean, a big part of oh, that yeah. might be my own personal nostalgia. I don't know. But I just think the advances the system had, like, it was the first system, I think. I mean, I'm coming from console land here. But it was the first system you had, you could save, for example. The first mainstream system with saving. And, you know, coming from, like, Atari and a lot of those other games where it's like, there's the replay value and the ability to, to tell a story was kind of, much more limited, I guess. Oh, for sure. Plus, yeah. once the NES came out, you could tell everyone that you were playing with power. Exactly. Superpower. <laughs> superpower. Portable yeah. power. In a few yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but man, some of those Game Boy games, though, like uh, Link's Awakening. Like, mm. I mean, that's that's some solid, that's some solid gameplay for uh, black and white. 
8-bit system. The original uh, Final Fantasy Adventure? Yeah. Final Fantasy Legends as well was my favorite. Legends was okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Legends 2 was my favorite. Legends 2 was good. Legends 2 was good. Yeah, yeah. Legend yeah. 2 was I good. did beat Legend 1. I suffered all the way through it. 2 was good. 3 yeah. was good-ish. Yeah. yeah. 3 felt too much like Mystic Quest for me. I don't know. Was it the jumping? Maybe. Just the whole... I don't know. <laughs> it, it felt like it, it was a... I don't you're know. right, actually. I, I, I feel it, you it was know. just very similar. The I don't know. It wasn't as limited, but it just felt like it. I don't know. Two was my favorite one of those. So are we saying we don't like Mystic Quest? I mean, it was all right for what it was, but it wasn't exactly something I'd go back and play. I hated it. I'll just come up. <laughs> if it I like was Final like, Fantasy for babies. If I was going to give a Final Fantasy game to a six-year-old, I would give them Mystic Quest and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm the I only wouldn't. person I've ever met that enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it at points. I just wouldn't go back to it with fond memories. Right. I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of the Game Boy, then, do, like, do you have a like a favorite game of all time or a favorite genre of all time? Or, um, I mean, I'm probably going to sound pretty typical, but uh, I'd say Chrono Trigger is my favorite of all time, even though it's not NES. But I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just there's it's hard to find any fault in Chrono Trigger. It's, it's like, a solid choice. It's just an amazing game, and. I, I feel like it's so weird how like Square Enix is so stubborn as to not do anything with that property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of disappointing because not only are they not doing anything with the property, but the, I remember a few years back there were people that was working on uh, kind of an ambitious remake of it, uh, and then that kind of just got cancelled, which, you know, I understand on the one hand they, they want to protect their property, but it's it's also a shame to shut fans down when they when they are pushing on something like that. Well, yeah, and it's not like they had anything else that they were working on themselves aside from you know the DS version, which whoop de do. You didn't like that endless fetch quest extra dungeon. It was meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it didn't add anything. Yeah, Chrono Trigger purist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. So, what was it like for you reviving this IP then? Like, was it, uh, like we said earlier, it kind of just made sense to connect the dots, but was, uh, how did your fan base respond? Like, if you hadn't touched this since uh, 2013, was it, uh, uh, I don't know, fun to get back into it? Oh, yeah, definitely fun. And I feel like it was unexpected for a lot of people because it's not like this was a project I particularly had announced to anybody i just sort of did it in my spare time over about it, it took probably about three months so just in my spare time over the course of about three months suddenly i have a complete nes game using an ip that a lot of people haven't thought of for like 10 or 15 years so i just spring this on people and i have a kickstarter and there I go wait what <laughs> they just and I actually did post about it in April when I was working on it. I posted on the Eskimo Bob Facebook, which is, you know, it's a fairly small Facebook page because most Eskimo Bob stuff is before social media. Right. So, but there's a few people that have been kicking around. And a lot of people thought like, oh, there's an April Fool's joke. You know, he's making an Eskimo Bob <laughs> NES game. Then a couple of weeks later or month later or so well whatever it's not long later there's an actual kickstarter and there's an actual playable demo and people are going wait what that that's a thing <laughs> so it was it's pretty funny um and just the number of people that thought whoa that's a name i haven't heard in a long time i've that's the type of comment that i'm seeing and it's it's kind of cool seeing that that it's something that people remembered and because i was looking at it as a thing like okay not even expecting many people are going to remember it or anyone's right. going to really care, but it was more like, you know, if I could get enough money to do a run of carts and sell them online, that would be cool. It just seemed like it would be a fun thing to do. And I mean, it's to, to make NES carts, it's not free. So right. 
you kind of have to go through Kickstarter or something like that just to get, you know, a few grand so that you can invest in materials. But I mean, right now it's, it got funded really fast and that's what surprised me the most. Were you like totally not expecting success here? Like, did you expect it to get funded at all? Um, well, I had looked at other projects for NES games and I found a lot of the time if there was something tangible there, there was a pretty good chance that it would get funded. Because, I mean, there's an NES homebrew community, which I'm sort of just introducing myself to. And uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the people who are into that seem pretty dedicated. And they've all been really good, actually, even though most of them I haven't even talked to before. They've all been very good and very <laughs> supportive, um, which is cool. But it's it's sort of a small enough community that there are not a lot of new releases coming out so if something does come out people get excited for it so i thought okay there's a good chance i can at least get a bit of money even if i'm coming out of nowhere but i just didn't think that it would necessarily get, be one of those projects that's funded immediately and then just keeps getting funded because that's right. it's sort of I looked up a lot, and I had tried to do sort of a reboot project for Eskimo Bob a few years ago, and that was a, a dismal failure. Yeah, on Kickstarter, it was a, okay. it was it was really poor. The Kickstarter campaign was really poorly thought out. It had terrible rewards. It was just a, it was a failure. I got like less than a thousand dollars, and it wasn't funded. And I was like, okay, people just aren't interested in this, and I gave up for a few years. So then I. Uh, you know, coming back to it three years later, coming out with a game, and it, it you know, I had a goal of uh, 7,000 Canadian, and that was funded within two days. I was thinking, okay, that's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a big change. So, but I had done a lot of research into Kickstarter and making better reward tiers and. This time I actually had a real physical product instead of, if you give me money, I'll reboot a cartoon series that I used to do for free. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've backed stuff in the past, and I've... It definitely... It, there's more incentive to, to back something that has a playable demo and, and has the, the, the signs that it's going to be followed through to completion. Like, there's a few things that I backed that uh, it's like five years ago that still haven't delivered so yeah uh, for me at least it's it's hard to get that excitement on a kickstarter thing unless well that's a thing right a lot of people have been burned yeah, yeah. people get burned on kickstarter P particularly games yeah. yeah and that's where i thought it's like okay i feel like i have a game that's complete you know i might do a little bit of beta testing or whatever but i have you know, I've got 64 levels that are playable here, and I'll, I'll throw out a demo. I'll put videos on YouTube, a gameplay. Um, I'll show people that there's an actual real thing that they can be playing. I have a prototype cartridge that works on hardware. So yeah. at least it's something that I feel like people can believe this is a thing that will happen instead of it just being one of these pipe dream, check out my concept art type deals. Yeah. And uh, on that note, I guess, what like are most of your backers former fans or do you think you're kind of you're pushing into new grounds here like i don't know how much of that you can tell like i have actually haven't done kickstarter but uh, i've talked to a few people and there's definitely some there's some people who are former Eskimo bob fans there's some that it's just they're interested in a new nes game um there's a few people from back in the old uh rom hack days on irc few people oh, wow. from back in those days that i have not talked to forever and i'm seeing these names and it's like it's funny because i'll see the it, it they'll have their real name and then they'll talk to me and be like you know oh this is it's gideon z or it's balls or it's like all these guys <laughs> who i haven't talked to forever <laughs> just names that I, I mean matt would know who these are <laughs> yeah so i was actually just gonna yeah. ask were you guys doing the rom hacking stuff at the same time or Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, much, it, it yeah. kind of. I don't. I. I don't know if uh, you. You being Thomas were solely uh, the reason I got involved, but it was certainly a, a huge. Uh, 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 I guess, inspiration, if you will, for me. I, I remember actually, it was funny because, 
if memory serves, my parents decided they'd take a trip to Texas or, or somewhere, and uh, they dumped me at uh, Thomas's house for a week. <laughs> and I think at, at that point we hadn't even, uh, I don't know if we'd hung out much recently, but I went over and it's like, I remember that was in 1998, and you guys were like playing with emulators and you had your system set out and, and had like introduced me to all these new games I was super excited about. And I had actually um, packed my NES up like a few months earlier and decided, you know, I'm in junior high now. I'm going to like try and uh, get a girlfriend and not play something <laughs> whatever, which, which didn't work, which didn't work. Um, but uh, anyway, not. I just remember after that, I, I remember actually before the trip was over, it was like the third day of seeing you guys with all your system set up and stuff and getting so excited that I went back to my parents' house because I had a key, went in and like set up all the games like alone in my parents' empty house and like was playing, playing uh, oh, Zelda awesome. on the weekend and stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, that, I think it was that uh, trip or... or Parental, parents trip or whatever, me not going anywhere, where uh, I really got involved in emulation. So that was, yeah, pretty much the same time, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember that actually. So, uh, I mean, so what, what kind of stuff were you doing back in those days? Were you like trying to just hack in your own graphics on top or? Uh, it was mostly about translation. So it was, I okay. was really, really heavily into like uh, JRPGs okay. at the time. So and that's when it was the late 90s, and that's sort of when everyone realized, hey, there are more Final Fantasy games out there than yeah, we yeah, realize. Yeah. So I... Well, the release first of 7 I, kind of... Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. I was going to say, that, that was the era, to me anyway, before like people put a J in front of RPG. Like, at least exactly. if you were a console It was just gamer, an, RPG. an RPG. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it was pretty much around that time. Um, so me and Alan... Alan being your brother. Yeah, my so, brother. Yeah. Context. Con- <laughs> yes. Context. Yes, that helps. Yeah. But we got it into our head that uh, we were going to translate Final Fantasy 2 and 3 for the right. Famicom. And uh, there were already projects underway with people way more experienced than us working on it. But we thought, yeah, we're going to do this first because we were <laughs> in high school and we were idealistic. So we came out with our own hacky little partial translations of those and uh you know we had those out there and it there were it was a small enough community that people noticed that we were also working on these games but then anyway the the real fan translations came out shortly afterwards and our we dropped those and started working on our own games instead so there was there were a few games that we did actually end up fully translating um Glory of Heracles 2, that was the biggest game that that you've that you've never heard of. Yes. <laughs> that was uh and uh Matt actually helped me with some of the Japanese on that. So that's a, a very good game, actually. Um yeah. I, I was just gonna kind of take note. It's interesting to me anyway. I mean this is, this is the late nineties, and it's interesting. It's interesting that like games of that caliber were actually still kind of up for grabs. That like little teams of people in small towns could just try and translate oh, yeah. a Final Fantasy and be the first in the world to release an English Final Fantasy. Like I know it's just crazy. Mine now, <laughs> yeah. But it was back when they. St- I think the actual company still looked at those as basically disposable entertainment and didn't realize that the kids that grew up with them would actually still want to play them. Yeah, and it's sort of didn't realize they'd be on Steam yeah. in twenty five years. Yeah, exactly. And and all of us who were kids back then, we were coming into our own, and we were teenagers, and we actually had some technical knowledge and the ability to sort of hack together these translations. So. It's it's kind of silly looking at it now because like uh, Square Enix can't stop releasing like uh, different versions of Final Fantasy one through six. Oh yeah. <laughs> it took them a long time to come up with three, I'll say that. Yeah. It did. This is true. Yeah, but even that's on Steam now. Yep. Yeah, it's Here funny. <laughs> so so as someone who's gone through the original translation for that, what's your take on that? Do you still prefer the original Famicom or how about this new fangled 3D version? Uh I mean the Famicom I, I I've got something for the originals. I it's and it's always kind of bugged me, especially with three, that they never gave us a two D version in English officially. Yeah. Still to this day, it's always just some variation of the DS version, yeah. which really is different. I'm biting my um, tongue. At <laughs> least with the other ones, you've got something similar, but but with three, they still never really gave us the original. Yeah, that, that's always kind of bugged me a bit. 
Yeah, yeah. I find the the DS one to be quite a different game, and it's it is. It's the same, but with like these weird, I don't know, kind of like distractions inserted or something. I don't know. I I really felt they mangled it. It but is because I, I mean, you can retro. even something like like two where it's like okay, so you it's been upgraded with sort of Super Nintendo y looking graphics on the Game Boy yeah. Advance, but it, at least it still feels like the same game. But with three. They made that DS version. It's actually it's quite a bit different. They took different. these blank slate characters and made tried to give them actual character, and then is the pacing is idea. different, and it just feels different. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those. It's kind of I felt like it. It was the same jarring experience as with Mega Man to me, where like you play the older Mega Mans, and they're of course you know pixelated, and you kind of imagine your own characters, and they look really cool, and then as graphical capabilities get better and you get into like Mega Man 7, 8. It's like, whoa, this is what he's supposed to look <laughs> yeah. like. Uh, this, this was his voice the whole time. Uh, like, <laughs> I know three, that voice. Three. Yeah, everyone looks so badass in the original like Final Fantasy 3. I mean, it's pixels, whatever, but they just look cool to me. Yeah. And then when they released it for the DS and it was like all those like big head like cutesy characters, I, I don't know. It, it really was not It me. was. It was weird. But I, And yeah. I mean, they did it to 4 as well, but I feel like it was... At least with four, you still we had the original to play in English, so it wasn't yeah. so jarring. I mean, we, I've always found that weird with four too, just because like that's probably my favorite in the franchise, and like I remember playing it on the Super Nintendo and just absolutely loving it, and then eventually you realize that like supposedly the translation's not good because I never bothered to learn Japanese enough to to be able to play the original. Um, but then, you know, they came out with the Game Boy Advance version. You play that and it's got extra dungeons and stuff and the translation's completely different and you're like, uh, which which do I prefer? And then yeah, the and then, DS version came out and, and that's, again, completely different. And you're like... Oh, yeah. The DS when I found they... It, the DS I found, it, it almost felt like they went out of their way to translate things differently just to prove mm. that it was different because even yeah. with like the whole Mycidian legend with the like one to be born of a dragon it has some like he who gapes from dragon maw or something weird yeah, yeah. I'm like, what you know like there's just the whole the whole thing felt strange yeah but i mean which I guess yeah. if you grow up with something and have a completely different version thrown at you it's gonna feel weird yeah and so, like I said, I mean, I never played the original Japanese version, so I don't know how true any of them are to the original. And yet, there are these three different versions that I can play. And I don't know, at least it feels like there is incentive to play them. Like, it's not just a pure re-release on the different platforms. Just play the fan translation. <clears throat> I'd say it's going to be the the closest in most cases. I mean, no joke. Like, seriously, yeah. like, people who do fan translations, their goal is to replicate the original as closely as possible. Right? Yeah. The companies who translate they just want something that's accessible or like localized well or or you know censored in the right places like it's it's going to be different right yeah so oh, i guess trying true. to get back on topic uh <laughs> yeah apologies <laughs> <laughs> well, i was well, about to make a comment maybe 10 minutes ago yeah uh but but that being said so uh i noticed a a post you you added on facebook this week about uh, steam greenlight so along those lines are you planning on having any sort of difference between two different platforms like if you're going to release for nes and also for pc uh, are you going to do anything differently for those versions, or are they going to be essentially the same? Um, I'm going for essentially the same. Um, I'm not. I'm not being so cheap as to just have it be like, here's an emulator with a ROM. Um, right. I want it to feel like a PC game, but at the same time, feel like the NES game. So, um, I was. I mean, most of, since most of the engine I didn't see, it's fairly easy to port that over to a modern platform so that the game will feel the same. Um, and I've got all the pixel art and everything. I can just use all that. So it's it's going right. to look and feel like the NES version, but it will have I mean, maybe just some slight... I mean, just little things that you don't even really notice so much with the NES, like mixing sound channels and stuff like that. Right. And at least you don't have to think about that stuff with the PC version, so... Are you going to emulate scan lines? Uh, maybe. I didn't really think about it. I was thinking, I mean, 
I'm not sure if I was going to. I was thinking of maybe having some sort of toggle so I could switch between the 8-bit graphics and then have it look like the Flash versions from the cartoon mm. for the characters, but I'm not sure nice. if I want to do that or not. I might. It would be a pretty easy thing to do, but I'm like, oh, would that ruin the integrity of the game? But I haven't really gotten there yet, so... That's the only real difference that might possibly be in there. Other than that, I mean, I'm still planning on going with like a 4-3 aspect ratio and I might put like a little border or something on it. It's going to look like an NES game. Right. Wouldn't you say that would be easy to do? Uh, like, have you already tested that or would would you have to generate all the flash-looking graphics from scratch? Or, uh, Well, I mean, I already have... I already have the Flash graphics because I still have all the original source files from the Flash right. cartoons. So, and all the characters come from there, so it would be pretty trivial for me to just take the graphics out of the old Flash right. files, export them. Right. I guess I was just more curious if you'd do, like, convert it into sprite sheets or like actually... Yeah, I'd probably just... I would probably convert them into sprite sheets, but the animation's pretty simple. It was nice. never. Uh, it was never a very complex animated show. <laughs> um, I guess a question I, I meant to ask when we were talking about more like designing the game and so forth. Um, where it is an NES game, did you? I'm just curious if you kind of just set out and made the game, or if you maybe like kind of studied some other games first, or, or kind of. I mean, many of us still play NES games, but we've yeah. also moved on to newer systems as well. Like, I feel like if I was to go and make an NES game, I'd want to maybe play a whole bunch of NES games first to really gauge what the system is capable of and, and what works in that, that environment and go with it. I'm just wondering if you had any experience with like doing something like that or did you just kind of go for it? I pretty much just went for it, to be honest. It was, uh, it was mostly just, you know, I was working, I was working on this thing. I was, took a tutorial, I started throwing my own graphics in and thought, okay, how can I make this work? How can I make this work? And then I just thought, you know, it'd be cool if, if I could swap characters and, and I had Alfonso and he poked something with a stick. And then I, then I'd start thinking, well, if he pokes something with a stick, what should he poke with a stick? And if he pokes something with a stick, then should Bob be able to do something else to, so I came up with the idea that, that, Alfonso can poke blocks with a stick and attack enemies by poking with a stick, but Bob can jump a little bit higher, and he can also punch downwards, because I thought just jumping higher didn't make Bob appealing enough to play with. I needed to give him something that Alfonso couldn't do, so... And where breaking blocks is very important in the game, where Alfonso can break them above his head by jumping, or to the side by poking, but he can't break downwards then bob can break downwards but he can't break sideways so it forces you to use different characters in different situations i guess that kind of went all over the place that <laughs> well it's, it's okay actually well i was my my follow-up question i guess is yeah. like uh were there any games particularly that that inspired you like i don't know if you played the game. What if I was to play the game? Would I feel like ah, this feels like Mega Man? Ah, this feels like MC Kids? You know, is there <laughs> is there some something? I'm really not sure. I can think of an NES game that it feels exactly like. Um, cool. I did cool. hear somebody compare of, it to. Uh, actually, I this is a funny one too because where my game's a side scroller, it doesn't really make sense. But I heard somebody say it felt like Lolo, and that's Lolo, kind of funny because okay. because hey. I mean Lolo is the not look and feel maybe. No, but the gameplay, apparently, even though it's like, but I guess okay. if Lolo was a side-scroller, because where you have small levels and you have to collect stuff to beat the level, right. I don't know. Right. It's right. not really the same, in my opinion, but I, someone made that comparison. I thought, you know, that kind of makes sense. Um, actually, when I was playing it, I was, I was originally... Um, I don't even know where the sentence is going. Might as well cut that part out. <laughs> I <have no> Redacted. <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> no, but okay, I'll just go with the Lolo thing. Someone compared it to Lolo. That's the only comparison I've heard anyone compare it to. It's definitely not like Mario. It's not like Mega Man. Mario. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
okay, so let's say you had to go back and, and start all over again. Is there anything that you would change or, uh, I guess, uh, along those same lines, is there any advice that you would uh, give to other people if they were to start uh, of, of what to avo- avoid or what they should be doing instead? Or? Uh, first, for NES, I mean, it, it all came together really it felt it felt like it came together a lot more quickly than I expected, and I kind of feel like I'm still going through it, so I'm not even sure I would well, know three what months to give is for super advice impressive, yet. I think. Yeah, yeah, like it just kind of <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it just feels like it just kind of happened, and it's hard for me to say like what I would do differently because I haven't had a lot of time to reflect yet. <laughs> uh, is there a sequel in the works? Maybe I. I wouldn't mind doing it if I had the time. Um, I haven't really thought about it yet until I get this one out there, though. Super Eskimo Uh, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) I have had a lot of people ask about two-player, which is not something in the game, so that might be something I'd explore if I do do a sequel. Nice. Cool. Uh, So I guess you are just kind of just focused on getting this out the door at the moment. Uh, There's no uh, big grandose plans for what comes next? No, pretty much. This, that's pretty much it. Um, a lot of it, too, um, I, this is backtracking a little bit, but uh, a lot of the idea of making it was originally just sort of come up with something different to throw in a portfolio where, yeah. I'm, where I'm just finishing up school and I'm going to be looking for jobs. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got a few tech demos and things that I made in Unity, but nothing that really stood out. So I thought maybe if I made a little NES game, um, it would be something that could stand out as a portfolio piece and then it actually, I was like, this feels like more than a portfolio piece. It feels like something that people actually would want to play. Right. So, I mean, like Matt just said, three months is pretty impressive. I guess you've been pretty focused on this. Like, what does your week kind of look like as you're working on this? Um, There's a lot of not leaving my bedroom. (laughs) 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 Um, And it's funny because during this whole Kickstarter process, I feel like it's changed again because suddenly I have to actually care about social media yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that to, uh, to get people interested. But, um, before that it was a lot of just sort of, okay, well I have, I, I'm doing my course. I had one course, so I'm doing one course. I have a fair amount of free time. So when I'm not working on an assignment, I was basically working on this game and, uh, Working on a game was more fun than playing games, so it just sort of, because it was fun to do, I put a lot of time into it. So it's hard for me to say how many hours exactly I put into it over those three right. months, but I would say probably a fair amount. Um, there was a lot of, and there was a lot of testing too, especially um, once I felt like I had a good game engine and I got into the level design. There was a lot of, okay, I'll make, you know, I got to the point where I was making probably about four levels a day for the game. And uh, I'd sort of make these levels and I'd play them over and over and over again. And when my girlfriend got off work, she'd come over and she would be like, oh, do you have any more levels? I want to play them. And that was actually, that made it really exciting to have a girlfriend that that was excited about my game and wanting to play it as it's being developed because it was... It was good having that encouragement and support. Nice. So if you've been kind of just locked up in your bedroom for the past three months, that means you've missed out on like Horizon Zero Dawn and Nero Mata and the new Zelda. Oh man, I haven't and... played. No, I, actually it's funny because I got the new Zelda. I played it for maybe two days and then I was like back to developing and I was thinking, hmm, that was a really good game. I wouldn't mind playing it some more, but <laughs> I hardly touched it and everyone else is raving about it. Yeah. I was going to say, just have uh, two kids and you don't need to lock yourself in the room. You just miss everything with as much effort. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm just quietly sitting here and waiting for chances to make sarcastic comments. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore me if you want. It's all good. Um, I guess a question that comes to mind with uh, the Kickstarter, back to the Kickstarter. Um, are you at all concerned? I mean, I see that you're making stretch goals. Um that you're maybe overextending yourself? Like, obviously, we talked about the PC version, and you, you seem to think maybe it's super easy, but uh, something about me, uh, something I always thought about doing a Kickstarter is that it would be 
it's scary to kind of overpromise and then just be like in this situation where you're like, whoa, right? Like, do you have any fears like that at all? Or are you pretty confident it's not going to be an issue? Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm actually at with the whole stretch goal thing. Because I just hit my second stretch goal, which was I'm going to have a better PC version instead of just an emulated port. Um, and I haven't put out another stretch goal pass there. <laughs> and I feel like I might not. <laughs> Because right. the thing is, is that, like I had two stretch goals. One of them was I'm gonna have I'm gonna write a little comic in the instruction manual. I tried to aim small for the stretch goals, because I do find a lot of Kickstarters they will they'll start to overcompensate with the stretch goals, and yeah. I I become very skeptical that these things will actually happen. Like when I start seeing, yeah. look at this little homebrew game that I'm making. Stretch goal there's going to be a PS4 version. I'm thinking, <laughs> can you guarantee that? Or are you just saying that because you hope it? So, and I didn't want to do anything like that. So I thought, okay, PC version, I feel like that that was a doable stretch goal. Because even if, I mean, I could put it on Steam Greenlight, even if it isn't Greenlit, I, can, I know I can find another distribution method for a PC version. Um, and I said, I gave it an estimated date of, next January for when everything is done. So I thought, I mean, this is a game that took me three months to develop. If I was to rewrite the engine, I already have all the levels designed and everything. And I basically just have to port the game engine over. I feel like if I gave myself, you know, what, six, seven months to do that, that's, that's more than reasonable. Yeah. Um, as far as getting the actual cartridges made up and stuff, that's something I haven't done before, but I thought, right, the game is already programmed and it's just manufacturing and shipping, essentially. I feel like I, I you called that myself. out in your... Yeah, so yeah. I think you called that out in your risks and challenges as well. So. I did. On the case Yeah, of so... Yeah, because, it's, because it is basically just the manufacturing process. I mean, aside from I've been playing the heck out of the game and trying to get as many of my friends to as I can as well, just to get, uh, you know, just to make sure it doesn't have any bugs or anything. But I'm fairly confident that it's, that it's pretty solid at this point. Um, so, I mean, now that that part is all behind me, it's essentially just putting it on a cartridge. It's more about... I have to give myself enough time to do that because I don't, I want to make sure that, you know, everything's shipped to me and it's sent out on time. But I feel like six or seven months, is definitely enough breathing room. If it's out earlier, that would be cool. If it was out a little bit later, hopefully not, but I feel it wouldn't be much later than that. You could always uh, throw yourself under the bus and give yourself uh, a new stretch goal of adding multiplayer. That would be a horrible idea. <laughs> yes, <it would. laughs> I feel like I've got maybe like uh, last time I checked the ROM, I had like you know five bytes to work with of empty space or something. <laughs> but it's too it's, late, it's right? Pretty, I mean, we've, yeah. we've brought it up multiple times in this interview, so yeah. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, definitely a multiplayer. No, no, not happening. <laughs> but, um, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't want to do anything, anything that I felt like it wasn't reasonable. I mean, like having a slightly fancier instruction manual to me that it's like, it's not that yeah. exciting, but it felt reasonable. And then after I got through the two stretch goals, I thought I haven't actually gotten much feedback or enthusiasm from people about these stretch goals, so maybe I should just have some confidence in the product that I have that people seem to like and yeah. roll with that instead. Just feel safer and yeah. It 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 seems like to to an extent you're safer because you have an NES game. Like where you just said like you've only got a few bytes remaining of empty space. Like I think maybe that's a problem that people don't have is when they're developing a PC game they've got like infinite space theoretically so that exactly. allows them to get carried away with those stretch goals and just start promising yeah. all these extra characters and stuff and exactly the most I could promise is you know maybe a palette swap or something <laughs> I mean there's not <laughs> not much not much left I can do um, as far as that goes especially where the, I feel like the game's already complete yeah. um, and that's the thing too with an NES game as opposed to a PC game, I have to be really careful 
that I've played through this game like a billion times yeah. and have not run into any bugs because I can't just issue a patch. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be on a cartridge and it's going to be out there. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I mean, for a couple of months, maybe, I don't know. I'll probably be playing this game until I'm absolutely sick of it and doing every stupid thing I can possibly think of to try to break it in yeah. game just to make sure someone else can't. And I've been doing that already. And I mean, there was, I found one thing actually the other day, for example, um, and it was when I was playing it, um, testing it with a friend, I have a death counter in the game. So, and, and it's baked into the password system. And, uh, so, you know, at the end of the game, you get a nicer looking credit screen if you've gotten through the game without dying a certain number of times and uh, and that sort of thing. Anyway, as I'm playing with my friend, he uh, he overflowed the death counter and glitched the credit screen. So, and it's something I hadn't actually run into. I thought I had a failsafe, but it obviously didn't work. So, I've got that fixed now, um, but... It's just good to be able to play with people who might get into a situation that you don't. People who die a lot. Exactly. People who die a lot. Like, the most I played it since I implemented the death counter, I played through the game. I think I died 101 times. And I was like, okay, that's a lot of deaths. I'm good. So, and I thought I had it programmed so it could handle, um, you know, up in the, th like, it was supposed to be um, 65,000 whatever deaths should have been fine. I was like, okay, nobody's going to hit that, but it was actually overflowing at 256. So, uh, and he died more than 256 times, glitched out the end screen. And, uh, it, I mean, it wasn't like game breaking, but it looked ugly. So I was like, okay, I got to find a better way to handle that. So, and I did. So, so are there any, uh, bugs still present you're aware of? Am I allowed to ask that? Um, no, there's actually, it's actually a pretty solid feeling. Um, I haven't noticed anything. I've, uh, I've actually been working on doing a PAL version, and uh, I'm pretty happy with that now because um, I've noticed there I've got quite a few supporters from Europe, especially Denmark. Are they expecting? Are they expecting a PAL version? Uh, yes, <laughs> but and I haven't tested it on hardware. I've only tested that in emulator. So I am fingers. I've tested a couple of emulators. So fingers crossed, it's fine. I haven't really changed the game engine at all. It was. It's more just about um, making the music sound good because. So the game, the PAL version, does run like slightly slower, but it's not exactly a fast-paced game anyway. So I feel like if that's the only version I ever played, I would not know the difference. That's the standard I've sort of been set, setting myself to, which I, and looking at a lot of NES games, I feel that's sort of the NES standard anyway. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was mean, the big complaint even with like Sonic the Hedgehog was that it was slower in the UK, right? Exactly. But, it, but Sonic marketed itself on speed. Yeah. I'm going with a fairly, you know, a fairly slow puzzle platformer. So running slightly slower isn't as... Yeah, isn't as much of a negative. I've got the music and sound effects pitched up so that they sound the same in both versions, and that gives almost the illusion that it's running at the same speed. Right. So I'm pretty happy with it. That's nice. about, that's sort of the biggest challenge that I've come across recently is the. Uh, I asked people because I noticed, and this you know, I'm seeing a lot of people. It was basically, I saw a lot of people from Europe and I thought I'd put up the question, is it important for European players if the game is works on PAL consoles or do you guys, you know, are you guys importing NTSC hardware? Because I have no idea what happens in Europe right. as far as that goes. But most of them said they wanted a PAL version. So I think what I'm going to do is uh, once everything's said and done, I'll send out a survey and I'll ask everybody, you know, do you want the uh, NTSC or PAL version? Yeah, it makes sense. I that's that's actually something I'd never considered in in the past. Like, uh, but it's yeah, it's it seems quite obvious once you do have to start putting it out to hardware. Well, that's the thing. If it's a PC game or something or something on something modern, you don't really yeah. have to think about that. But if people want to play this on an actual NES, they're going to have different Daddy? hardware. No. Oh. oh. <laughs> Are you doing the podcast? Uh, yes, I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> oh. Well, number two is. Coming on, I was wondering if I could brush my teeth before and then fall asleep watching it. Uh, yeah, if you want okay, to. Okay, yay! 
<laughs> so now I know what it's like to have a ten-year-old. <laughs> yep, there you go. And he so talks will more. the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's a long weekend here, so. <laughs> Right. Nice. Uh, small digression. I apologize for it. I was listening to the radio or something the other day, and there was some article about, I forget, some popular toy or something, but um, there was some mother and her 10-year-old started choking on this thing, and they had to go to the doctor and like remove it out of their throat or something. And I just remember- Was it fidget like, spinners? Yes. Yes. That's yeah. exactly what it was. Anyway, yeah, anyway, yeah. I was thinking like, are you, are you kidding me? Like- Ten years old, ten year olds are still choking on stuff. Like when oh, man. can I stop okay. freaking out about my kid? Like, <laughs> I have a great story about those actually because like they're they are definitely the popular thing right now. But um, in his school, they just had an announcement um, telling kids not to hold them against their teeth while they're spinning because they have had a problem with kids holding these fidget spinners up against their teeth and cracking their teeth. Nice. And I'm just like, what kind of a kid is going to think, look at this fast metal ball bearing. I'm going to hold it against my teeth and see what happens. (laughs) Well, it's better (laughs) than choking. I suppose, but still, it's pretty bad. I'll never understand what goes through kids' minds, but, you know, at least mine seems pretty smart when it comes to that stuff. So I'll be thankful. Um... All right, so it sounds like everything's going pretty well. Uh, you've got what? Uh, seventeen days. Seventeen yeah. days as of today, but we're releasing this podcast in four more days. So you've got looks like twelve more days or something. Eleven more days left. Yeah, and I mean at this point, seventeen minus four is thirteen. Uh, yeah, so it, it looks like it's going pretty well, and I'm glad that it's already hit its target, and uh, let's see how high how high we can get this. Yeah, uh, congratulations. I don't know. I think I offline I said congratulations. I mean, I think it's awesome. Like, uh, as you mentioned, we've known each other a long time. Just cool to <laughs> see you now coming out with a successful NES dev project. I think that's that's crazy, but it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to see. Well, thanks. Before we part ways, uh, do you have any message that you want to communicate? Eskimo Bob is a puzzle platformer game for the NES. It's brand new, uh, fully programmed. It's uh, available right now on Kickstarter. Um, the project is fully funded, but there is actually a, uh, a special edition white cartridge that will not be available after the Kickstarter. So if anyone is interested in having something that their friends won't have when it's done, uh, you can definitely go pick up the white cartridge from Kickstarter right now. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Thomas, thank you for uh, joining us. And, uh, anytime. Best of luck in the future. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Cheers. All right. Take care, everybody.